What's up, everybody? Welcome to Studio Wesley Annex, the audio. Oh no, the audiovisual podcast where we talk about the lectionary texts of the week. Uh, I'm your host, Michael Yarick. I need more sleep. Elliot, how's it going? Going good. Going good. Good to have you. Good to have you. Elliot's finals are over now. Yep. <laughs> and Josh, how about you? Good, Michael. My finals are not over, and I also could use more sleep, but I'm hanging in there. We're making it happen. Almost, almost there. Almost there. Very close. Very close. By the time people will be listening to this, you're gonna you're gonna watch yourself back when this airs, and you're gonna be like, "I'm so much more peaceful now." Fendela, how about you? I'm good. I could also use more sleep. I'm also not done with my finals, but I bought a Christmas tree. I was about to. I was about to ask if you could show us your tree. Oh, yeah, it has a bow on it, of course. <laughs> like everything else in my house. So everything has a bow on it. Like literally everything has a bow on it. Um, I could show you, but that would take time. So <laughs> I, we can we can picture bows galore. Mm -hmm. The only the only Christmas trees I've interacted with are like Charlie Brown Christmas trees right now. So that's like a very full, beautiful looking tree. <laughs> Sprouts, 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 sprouts. Oh, is that where you bought it? I thought you were saying your. Yeah. I'm just your tree sprouted sprouts. Oh yeah, no, it was me actually. Magic, <laughs> the magic of Christmas. Been growing it all year for mm -hmm. this moment. Yeah. Uh, incredible. All right, uh, Josh, do you want to open us up in prayer before we get rolling? Yeah, I can do that real quick. Sweet. Dear God, thank you for bringing us all here today. I pray that as we dive into these texts, we go closer to you. I also pray that anyone listening to these texts and hearing us talk about them will also glow closer to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And it's your turn to launch us right into the New Testament anyway, so Josh, you should just keep it rolling. I know. All right. So I had Romans 16, chapter 16, verses 25 through 27. And so this is uh, this is when, like, Paul, like, he's – so chapter 16 is the last – chapter in Romans. And so he's wrapping up his kind of letters to the church and you kind of, it's really like interesting conclusion to me. Um, there's two things that, that stuck out was first, he talked about the revelation of the mystery. Um, and it stuck out to me because I think, excuse me, ooh, bush guy, I think today uh, we just get, we're not really used to this idea that it used to be a mystery that we've always taken um the Bible for granted, and we've been able to see how these prophetic writings have come true. And that's, I think that's just really powerful. And it's, it's interesting to think about a time when, at least for me, like I, I was taken for granted and to not know that all these things have come true, that this speaks a lot about the people's faith in this time. And then the second thing, um, this is really big for me was, was it chapter 26? Um, I kind of dove into this first. I did a little bit more research and I came to this idea. Uh, the translation talked about, uh, I'll just go and read it. The Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes uh, from faith or that is faith. And I just thought that was interesting. I, I don't know why I've never thought about this, but think of kind of the yin and yang of faith and obedience. And that you can be obedient to God by being faithful. You can also be faithful to God by being obedient. <laughs> And Paul also kind of hints at the fact that other one way to like display your faith or display obedience is to do the other. 
Um, so I just think that's really powerful. It's only a couple of verses. So I don't really have that much, but it's just kind of interesting. Those are two things that stuck out to me. No, Josh, that's great. I um I love that you're you're acknowledging the difference in time because I was literally thinking about this today when reading some of the other passages of like, man, if I was in this time, this would feel like total nonsense. Obviously, that's approaching it with like a modern day context of like us being skeptics and stuff. But if somebody came up to you and was like, yeah, the like savior of the world's about to be born. Mm. <laughs> you, you know, like that, that's a crazy person for us. Right. Um, so there is something really interesting to just think of like an entire society kind of giving that a little bit more weight. And, and I'm sure there were still people that also thought this was crazy talk, but, but, but yeah, that's, that's like a level of faith that is almost uncomprehensible to me. I'm like, that's huge. That's awesome. And I think it speaks to the the power of Jesus, just like exuding this sort of energy that makes us live bigger than ourselves, right? We have the ability to comprehend and accept realities that we normally wouldn't on our own. So yeah, very cool. Yeah. I, I liked also, um, well, first of all, I agree with Mike. I was thinking about that too, about like the fact that if somebody even now came up and said that like the savior of the world was being born, I'm pretty sure they would probably go viral on TikTok for a purpose that they didn't intend. But I think that it's just interesting, verse 26, that you pointed out, Josh. I like the, like, I don't know. I think it's, I always get caught up in the words. But for this one, it's like, in my um, New Living Translation, it says, eternal God. And then it says in 27, the only wise God. And so I just think it's interesting the way that he's described here. I mean, we talk about like the different versions of God all the time. But like, I like hearing all these different like kinds of gods to fit like your sort of needs essentially. Cause that's like what he's there doing. He's like trying to fit whatever needs you have and like serving you. And like, he is putting himself in your position, in your shoes through Jesus, who is a human. I don't know. I just like that sort of humble approach and that like want to, to be what you need and to, to serve everybody in a very individualized way I guess like he can be anything for you and I, I like that whenever he's described in different ways and verses that are right next to each other even so yeah that stuck out to me I really like what you said Vindala about like individualistic like God being like what you need in a certain circumstance because that's like literally where I was going with this too it's like I feel like a lot of times in my life, especially like God can be different things for different people. And like, you notice that, especially like when you have relationships with other people and you're learning, like even like in a congregation setting, like a church, but also in like learning and just friendship in general, you can tell like how God is working through different people in different ways. Like some person, a person might need something different than another person. Like it's not going to be the same thing for um different people because that's just not how it works um so that stuck out to me and then also i liked the fact about like faith and how um <clears throat> how like um like the faith back then it's almost like reading it now and looking at like how we live our lives it's like back then like so much time was dedicated to god and like doing things for him and like now like we almost like have all these different things that we do and it's almost like are we still maintaining that same level of like trust in the Lord through the different things that we do? And I still think it's really important to look at the things that we do and understand like 
we we're still having like a trust in the Lord throughout everything we do, like in our lives. And um, especially back then when like they had like a temple and like people literally like went there every day, like that half, of, like almost all their days are like dedicated to God pretty much like a lot of the times. And it, it was a main focal point. And now in today's society, it's not really a focal point anymore for most people at least. So it's not like it can't be a focal point, but like, I'm just thinking like the things we do throughout the day, it's almost like let God kind of guide you through the things that you do throughout the day or like think of him through the things that you do. So you're not just like doing them with like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going for, but you know what I mean? Like God being in everything that you do in the day. And that was just something that I thought of. No, I mean, I think, I think that's so great. And, and it's funny that we, we talk about that during Advent because the holidays call for that sort of discussion, but uh, definitely something we can bring into the entire year, right? So that's yeah, that's great. Um, Vendela, that that brings us to you with Old Testament, Second Samuel. You ready? Yes, I'm so ready. Take it away. So, so my verses are basically um, honestly, it's kind of what I was talking about with Josh's. I, I had this on the mind, I guess, and then I related it to his verses, but it's basically talking about King David and he's telling God, um, who has like the ark, which is like that really holy, like box thing that like you can't touch and stuff. Everybody has to hold it on those like poles and things when they travel. Um, it's just a very holy relic, I suppose. And it was kept in a tent and David is saying to God, like, I want to make it like a palace. I want to make it like a cedar palace, which first of all, immediately when I read that, I was like, um, it reminded me like that whole like idol worship thing. So I was like, and of course God was also like, and he was like, no, I don't want a cedar palace. I want to be kept in a tent, you know, just like the Israelites were in tents in the desert. And like, that's why I want to be kept in the tent. Like I'm no, like, I guess like higher than you like I want to be on your level I guess is what he's basically saying which I appreciate I like that um and it was sort of interesting because it's bringing it back to that whole like God is trying to live in our shoes he's sending his son down to be a human to feel human pain suffering like he wants to show us that like he like understands like he is empathetic to our human condition I suppose and I liked I like that a lot, to be honest, because I think I have a hard time with um, believing in a God that is so powerful and knowing and wise. And I'm sort of like, I don't know, like, I feel like my life, not that it's anything special, but like, I feel like nobody can understand my life but me. And I'm sure everybody else feels like that about their life. So it's interesting to read through this and like, get that out of it that like, he is like, no, I want to be kept in a tent. I want to be or I want the ark to be kept in a tent. I want it to be like, just like everyone else here that's traveling with it. You know, I want to, I want to be a part of the people that I love so much. And I, I like that a lot, but David still kind of is grappling with this. He has a hard time grappling with the fact that this ark is going to be kept in a tent. Um, and also I relate to that too, because I feel like when I was young, especially like the fact that God was going to love me no matter what, like I still felt like I owed him something. And God literally says somewhere and he's like, you don't owe me anything. Like, I just want to be like you, like, that's enough for me. Like just being near you is enough. Like you believing in me is enough. Like that's all it takes, you know? And he's sort of like asking this question, like, is this grace like deserved? Um, and I think that's really difficult, honestly, for me to, <laughs> to like, 
sort of grapple with because I feel like a lot of the grace is not deserved um, just because life is like crazy and I feel like I make mistakes all the time and I'm just sort of like, I don't know if that's deserved. And I think that it's really relatable with David. And then the last thing he says, well, there's two things. The second to last thing he says, I will give you rest. And I was like, mm, I could use that, especially today. I was like, I will give you rest. It stuck out to me. I was like, as a kid, I used to like run around and be doing so many things. I was in like all the special, like the clubs after school and like all this stuff. So like the fact that like in the Bible it said like, I will give you rest. I was like, mm, could use that especially. And then the last thing he says is your house will continue before me. And I like that God is saying that to David as in like, you're going first, like before me, like I will come after, I will support you. But like, it sort of, to me, gives a message of like free will, honestly, which is um, something that a lot of people who are not Christian, like, have a hard time like accepting Christianity because especially Methodist like belief is like God has a path for you and I think that that's really difficult even for like for me honestly like I have a hard time thinking about that because I'm like I make my own decisions like I yeah God might have a path for me but like I do make my own decisions and there's definitely like I feel like sex more intense sects of Christianity that believe in like a path and like every decision you make is actually God. So I like that last verse. It's like your house will continue before me as in like you can make your own decisions and I will be there for you for your mistakes. And I like that a lot. That was kind of long winded, but like I just had to break it down into like little parts. And that was a lot. I know, <laughs> so, but that's it. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, for me, like I just love the relatability of God that this like passage gives. And like, it helps you understand that. And one thing that stuck out to me too, was like how Vindala said the like resting in God, but like something that that made me think of. So I have like a devotion where it's like resting God in the hard times. And it's like resting God in the good times. And it's not like, cause I know a lot of people and this is me, especially I, when I was like younger and I still do it now, like, I'm just going to be honest, like, we'll just like, I'll forget about God when everything's perfectly fine. And then when some bad thing happens, you know, you go like crawling back and it's like, I feel like it's so important to have a balance of trusting and just like resting in God. Like even when the good things are happening, like taking time to really like speak with him and be with him in, and it's not just like, like in the morning I pray and at night I pray. That's great. Like, that's really good. Trust me. That's better than I do. But a lot of times in the day, like just taking time to to take it like a step back from scenarios or things that may may worry you. Like in the Bible, it says, don't worry about anything, pray about everything. So you don't want to like, like take a step back and realize God is in this with me. Like, it's not just me. God is in this with me and I can do this. Or if it's going great, just be like, I'm thankful that this is going great. Like that was something that for me was really, really difficult. Like, because I would have to, to be like, this isn't just me that's doing this great thing. This is also God working with me to get this thing accomplished. And that was something that was really huge for me. And that stuck out to me in this verse or this passage, especially just like the relatability of God and also being God being with you throughout everything that you do. Yeah, yeah, like what you talked about, I was going to talk about this, but the relatability of God. Um, but when you talked about the ark and the tents, I kind of equate it to Jesus being born in the manger. 
this idea of like this high holy thing being in this pretty like literally a tent or a manger pretty common thing for the common man um so yeah that relatability and him wanting to be he's not a god for the people of high society he's a god of all people and the public and then um this was like a really long like like the promise god maybe it was like really long so that kind of stuck out to me like it just kept going and going and so that uh for me like i try and keep my promises right so promises mean a lot to me so i don't really make a lot but God just seems to make like a lot of promises. His quantity and the quality of them is like way better than the promises I like say I'm going to do or even um, make true sometimes. So that kind of just this interesting to think of the God who is promise God's promises. Um, something else I was going to say, but I'm going to kick it to someone else because I can't think of it. I'll come. It might come back to me. Can I say something really fast? Please. Um, well, both Josh and Elliot, yes, I love both of your input. But um, Elliot, I was thinking about what you were saying about how, um, like, finding rest in God. And I like the way that you phrase that because I feel like that can look like so many different things for people. Like, whether that's, like, meditation or, like, even, like, self-help books or, like, things like that. I think that, like, being mindful is so important. And it's so difficult to do when you're having hard times like especially like taking the time to sit down and just like quietly like just be with yourself or be with god or like whatever higher power you believe in i think that's so important and so difficult to do especially like i know when my mind is racing with a million things i need to do so i agree with that and i thought that was really interesting that you phrased it that way because it reminded me of like self like time with yourself alone in your thoughts which is difficult so yeah yeah, when it when it comes to this, these discussions about God's like promises, especially this promise about I'll give you I will give you rest or finding rest in God, I always think back of that, and I would not be able to quote the scripture at all. But it's the there's like a scripture and definitely a connection to the Bible about um, about like preparing the field like for for God to make the crops right, and and I think it's and. I, I do have that relationship typically with every pro promise that God makes. Right, is like God makes these promises because God loves us and God cares about us and then it's because we have faith in god that ultimately we can prepare ourselves for those promises to be delivered so like i'm thinking because at first i was like oh wow god will give me rest that's how my translation puts it right i will also give you rest from all your enemies so god god will give me rest that's awesome i don't have to do anything god's just going to give me rest and i do think that's true i do think i do think god takes care of us even when we don't ask for it but then i'm like if we view this relationship with god as what it's intended to be this kind of like two way sort of thing where we both love and care for each other, then me having faith that God will give me rest should drive me out of love to prepare myself for that rest. Right. Which looks exactly like what you were saying, Vendola, right? It, it looks like um, maybe taking part in meditation or like maybe take saying no to a few things. So I have a little bit of, more of an open schedule schedule for talking about literal rest. Right. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I think. I think that's that's really interesting. And then, of course, I always want to echo anytime we share a sentiment about God, um, God being relatable to the least of these. Right? Um, I love that you related to the Christmas story, Josh. Right? The nativity versus the tent. That's beautiful. Uh, cool. Great. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. All right. With that, we are at the mark where it is time for a break. Um, do whatever you need to do right now. 
And we're back. This this break actually took slightly longer than normal just because I, and I have to share this with the group. So I have this like dog, like pointed roof, sort of dog rattan like house for my dog to sleep in. And um, because it's cold, you put a blanket over it so that it's a little bit warmer and more insulated. And she's like laying on top of it. So like instead of being in in it where the pillow is, she's on the slanted roof, like just laying on the slanted roof. And I think that's hilarious. She's such a goofball. Doesn't matter. Uh, okay, Elliot, do you want to launch us into our first Luke text? We've got two of them today. For sure. Take okay. it away. So this text is Luke 1, 46 through 45. And this is like Mary's song of praise. So this is talking about like Mary praising the Lord for choosing her to be the instrument of his saving act for her people pretty much. And I really like this entire thing because it's like she's praising the Lord, but also at the same time, she's like giving thanks for the things that he's done, which one thing stuck out to me, especially in the uh, last bit, it says he, this is verse uh, 53. He has filled the hungry with good things and has sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful for he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham, his children forever. And this actually is like another promise, which God makes because God makes tons of promises. But he says, um, like this was what he made in like previously. And now he's talking about how he's like fulfilling that, which is really cool to see. Like, especially when we look at old Testament and new Testament, like how things kind of correlate and work together. And that was really cool to me just because I like seeing correlation in the Bible. It's like not just picking out a select verse and just like saying that that's like completely true. Like, you know, seeing both sides to the story in a way. So that was really cool to me. And also, what stuck out was he sent the rich away with empty hands. And that was crazy because like, I think now, especially in today's society, like a whole bunch of like rich, rich people, like money wise. Right. And like people who think like they have it all together, but like at the end of the day, like their heart's not in the right place or, you know, they don't like truly accept, accept God and whatnot. And it's kind of like, it doesn't really matter what riches you have here in this world, because at the end of the day, it's like the riches that you store up in heaven is more important. And almost going back to what we're talking about earlier in like the whole, uh, not mindset, but, um, it'll come to me. Not meditation. Uh, like mindfulness, mindfulness. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. Like mindfulness, right? Like, our mindfulness and like doing those practices, those sorts of things like builds up our like, I wouldn't say builds up our riches in heaven, but like it's more important than like doing the riches here on earth, like earning riches here on earth, because you're basically like improving the riches of yourself in a way, which is really cool to me. <clears throat> so that's what stuck out to me personally. I'd love to hear y'all's thoughts because this was like, I really like this stuff at the end, but especially about like, the things where it says, you know, like not improving yourself, but like the taking the riches away. I'd love to hear y'all thoughts about that. So. Yeah. I like how you touched on that, Elliot. Um, before like Jesus ministry, I think I'm not sure if political is the right word to use, but it was definitely, he was about taking society and the people in it 
and their positions of power and their policies and kind of the values that we have and like flipping it upside down. Uh, you think about the people that like Jesus hang out with, you know, with sinners. You think that, you know, it's not a God to hang out with people crazy, like a, like high society, like I was talking about earlier, but he didn't. And so for him to talk about literally leaving the rich with nothing is that doesn't really make, make sense to me. And I have a hard time envisioning that to think about a billionaire with nothing. Um, yeah. And then also I like this. I like the prompt. It's just, it's more promises. We kind of talked about like this podcast so far today as well. This episode has been all about like the promises. That's been interesting. And I think the, what really stuck out to me most was like the very first verse when Mary says, my soul glorifies the Lord. That was a deep like thing for me to think about. I think about the Lord glorifying my soul. I don't necessarily think about my soul glorifying the Lord. That was something that stuck out to me. Yeah. Um, I, as you were talking about this, Elliot, it was funny. I was thinking about like, <laughs> like Robin Hood. Um, I'm not going to lie. Like I was like, oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, I just think um, the verse about, the rich walking away with their hands empty. I feel like there's a reason why they describe it as like their hands were empty um, because maybe they were expecting something that Jesus is not giving away. Like, for example, like riches or like, I don't know, a chance because the church is really powerful back then. So like some sort of leverage within the church or something like that. Um, Cause I feel like, Jesus probably knows if you're approaching him with ulterior motives. And um, I feel like also the rich could not mean like every rich person, but um, anybody that came to him that wasn't just wanting a second chance or a better relationship. So that's, that's how I interpret it. Um, so I thought that was interesting. The other thing that I wrote down um, was about oh yeah you're you were talking about like mindfulness and about like getting something out of christianity for yourself and i feel like that is not talked about a lot because it's seen as like selfish but like i don't think it's selfish because i feel like it's very important to get something out of a relationship any relationship i feel like every relationship you have it serves a purpose in your life um like i have friends that are it's great to talk to them about like really deep stuff but then I don't have that like fun of a time with them and then I have friends that I just have fun with you know so it's like every relationship in your life I feel like serves a purpose and I don't think that God is excluded from that um and I think that you getting something out of that relationship is as important as God getting your faith and your you know belief and your love as well so I think that um it's really important because the second you're not getting something out of a relationship is the second it doesn't serve you anymore and that could mean maybe you've had a bad experience in the church or, you know, you don't, you haven't seen God in the ways that like are serving you and stuff like that. So I think that it's really interesting to think of it that way because I don't know, I feel like any relationship that doesn't serve you, you know, it's like you have to be able to get something out of it that's beneficial as well. So I like that, that approach to it too. I have to let the the theater like nerd in me come out for a second because so Shakespeare when Shakespeare wrote like 
he his writing style reflected um, economic status sometimes. So like the no the noble would speak in um, in sort of like the iambic pentameter, the like poetic sort of nature, and then prose was was um, driven towards like lower lower class or whatever. And um, I think the fact that Mary's language here is written in a poetic format is very telling because um, I one I think it's the it's lifting up the fact that these words are very important and they mean a lot and they carry a lot of weight. And because they carry a lot of weight, right, is because this sort of promise that God has given her is this huge speaks to like this huge reversal, right? Like Mary's one of the Jew one of the Jewish people here. Jewish people are horribly oppressed in this time. So to hear this promise of a king that can do all these things, that can like turn turn society on its head right and like feed the hungry and like turn the rich away with nothing that's like a huge power reversal that i think is like just crazy to speak of and and then because i i don't this is not going to be super articulate but it translates into where i'm about to go with my luke scripture that comes a little bit before this is that like the the power dynamic of like the what I imagine is for these like Jewish people who are super oppressed is like you're you you would start to feel lesser than so then there's like this insecurity feeling that she's now kind of like speaking out against with all these comments like because it feels like it's pretty bold if you're if you're like in society you're being oppressed and then you you come out and speak of this like God and obviously this creates all this political drama later on like like it's bold and it's very empowering for her to say these things it's, it takes a lot of bravery and I think that's that's huge and speaks to her character so I, I that's more like cut and dry but um, I say all that to preface uh, a few verses back Luke chapter 1 verses 26 to 38 that I'm about to talk about now um, so as far as how that relates um my verses kind of tell um, the story of when Mary is first told about um, her pregnancy with Jesus. And um, the verses that I want to pull out real quick because they just stuck with me and they made me laugh are verses 28 and 29. Uh, in this translation says, the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words. <laughs> and uh, wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Just those two verses like cracked me up because I'm, I'm just, and, and that's kind of where I'm going to drive all of this is like, I just think that's so funny. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. That's huge. That's huge. So for an angel to come to you and say, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And your response is, I'm greatly troubled by this information. I'm greatly troubled by that. Obviously that comes with the context of like the, the terrifying nature of like an angel appearing before you, I'm sure. But like, I, I hear this in response to like, I'm a person who's very bad receiving compliments. Like, and it's hard for me because I, I carry around with me a, a certain degree of insecurity. Right. So when I get complimented by others, it's hard for me to receive and it's hard. It just kind of, I don't know. It, it, it feels weird. Right. And this is, I think this is a common response that a lot of people can sort of relate to. So then I think of the stress and the overwhelm that would like totally cover a person if you're being told that um, the things that this angel is telling Mary about how, um, uh, you know, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne over of his father, David. He will reign over everyone. Like that's a lot of pressure to put on somebody that 
is again in this position of like oppression in society. So not only are you are is society kind of telling you that you're lesser than, but then on top of that, now you're being told that you're about to like have this huge massive part in history, which I think is like yeah, that's absolutely feels troubling because it totally conflicts with with worldviews and the it, the just degree I wish that sounds stressful is insane to me. Um but we end this verses with not Mary living in that place, right? By the end of this, and as we um, we are we heard from from um, Elliot's portion, is that she took arguably the, the biggest and the scariest pressure someone could have, and responds with, "I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled in me." Right? Um, again, speaking to this huge degree of bravery um, that I think is really cool. So I guess I'm just reflecting on the moments in the Christmas season, the Advent season, where we're called to do and to be bigger than we think we're capable of being, whether that means um, being in charge of the Christmas meal, very simply, right? Or it, uh, in in a broader sense is like, maybe that means we're called to be the person that keeps the peace at the family gatherings with all the family members we disagree with. Or on the flip side of that, maybe we do feel called to be the one to stand up for our beliefs at the Christmas table, despite not wanting to cause any sort of disruption. I don't know. I'm not saying I necessarily know what that bigger calling is, but I think we can all agree that God does call us to a higher calling and Christmas and Advent is a, is a time when we, when we feel that power more prevalently. So yeah, I'm just reflecting on, on those moments where we have the opportunity to do that. Um, and then taking this scripture as God's sort of empowerment for us to take ownership because we are highly favored by God, and God knows that we are capable of these huge things. Even when we don't see it, or even when it seems incredibly scary, we go back to this idea that God says, greetings, you are highly favored, and the Lord is with you. I don't know. Uh, I'll leave it there. Yeah, um, when you read your line, mine says, because mine's New Living Translation, it says, greetings, favored woman. (laughs) The Lord is with you. And then she goes, confused and disturbed (laughs) I tried to think of what the angel could mean I was like damn that is too true I would be so disturbed if an angel came up to me and said that I was like disturbed is such a perfect word I feel like so I feel like we both read that and it stuck out to both of us it was just different translations um but yeah it was just really interesting and also I was thinking about it and while you were talking I was also listening but I looked up how old Mary was when she had Jesus she was 13 13 years old. So I was just like a 13 year old girl being like, let everything you said be true. I don't know. Couldn't be me. I don't think, but I was just like thinking about that. I mean, it was a different time. She had more responsibilities at 13 and she was thought of as like a woman at that point. But it was just interesting to me because like, I don't know, like you were saying, I feel like that's so, that's so much pressure. Um, especially like, Nowadays, like with reproductive rights, so like on the mind, I feel like it's really interesting reading this kind of through a new lens of like, she's really like accepting her sexuality, whereas like, I feel like right now, sexuality is so taboo. And I just sort of like the, I don't know, I I liked it, because it was her decision. (laughs) And I liked that, you know, she was like, I want to serve this greater purpose and like, I'm accepting it. I'm like all in on this. Like I, I want to be a part of this. And I, 
I liked that part of it as well. I also liked that um, she was saying that now I, where does it say? I don't know if it was in this verse and the other verse, but it was like, I think it was in the last verse. It was like, I'm going to be like, basically not like famous and like a selfish way, but she was like, my name is going to be known now. Like I will now have a name. Like he's choosing me who like never had a name before. And now I'm holding this like really important task of carrying this child. That's going to be, you know, our saving grace essentially. And I think that that was really, that really stuck out to me too, because I don't know. I feel like, like you were saying then Jewish people were, extremely oppressed and on top of that she's a woman and on top of that she's a servant so she's basically the lowest of low and I just I don't know that was very touching even though it's like a very old text and it happened a long time ago to see her kind of realize that like she is a part of this bigger purpose of like being a part of everybody's saving so I liked that and I liked her acceptance of that acceptance of her sexuality acceptance of this task before her may everything you've said about me come true um I think that the story would be a lot different if she was maybe in a different position of possibly even like rich power you know because she doesn't really have any other options and she is probably I don't know not really thinking much of herself at all. And now here's God choosing her. I think that's really special. So that's what stuck out to me. Yeah. Yeah, Mendel, I thought it was interesting <clears throat> when you talked about acceptance, because I read it, I'm like, she doesn't really have a choice here. <laughs> like, what is she going to say? What is she going to tell Jesus, or not Jesus, God and the angel? No, like, I don't know. Maybe that's why. She was God. She, why she was so favored with God's because God knew she was going to be accepting. I don't know. Not really sure about all that. But I think it's interesting. You read this. A lot happens like in these verses, and you kind of get to see like a mini character arc of kind of what Michael was talking about. How? Oh my gosh! Like someone complimented me. Like this this whole um, personality trait in her to being very like troubled, confused to then the angel telling her more and now she is like, yes, I will go and do this. Um, it's very interesting little arc there. And then I just, I think about um, the song, Mary, did you know, like, I just think about what was going on in her head. Like she was told all this stuff, but does she believe it? Like, did she really come to believe it that quickly as a 13 year old girl? Like, I don't know. So many questions there. That's all I really got. I really quick, you were saying Josh that, um, you think that like she had no choice and then you were like well I feel like God wouldn't have chosen somebody that would have said no and I feel like on one hand I'm like yeah like you're so right I don't think God would have chosen somebody that would have been like no I'm not doing that but also if God is a God that like wants you to make your own decisions and like will support you not however, because if you're going to go murder somebody, he's not going to support that. But, like, you know, like, support your mistakes and stuff like that. I feel like he also probably wasn't sure whether or not Mary would say yes. Um, and as a 13-year-old girl, like, yeah, she was probably scared into saying yes. But also, I feel like making such a statement as, like, everything you've said about me come true, I feel like that's pretty all in. Like, I feel like she really 
must have accepted that instead of like, yeah, sure, sure. Like whatever you want, like, please just don't like kill me. I don't know. I just think that there was a degree of like decision there. And like, she did decide. And I feel like the story would be a lot different if she had said she didn't want it. Um, you know, and I think that also what you said was true about like how God probably chose her because he knew she would probably say yes more than somebody who had honestly a degree of decisions in their own life. Somebody that was richer, not Jewish, um, like that. I don't know, which I have mixed feelings about with that, but yeah. Yeah. I feel like for me, like the circumstance that she was in as well, cause like we think of like someone who's like, let's say rich and powerful or someone who has a lot of things going for them in life. And like, God were to ask someone like them, like they have a lot of stuff to lose. Like if you think about it that way, like they have a lot of stuff to lose, but Mary doesn't really have a lot to lose. Like she doesn't have a lot going for her. Like realistically, if you think about it in the hierarchy of like her life realistically, and she's young. So it's like, I get, I, it makes, it almost makes more sense to ask someone similar to Mary rather than someone who has a foothold in, um, you know, a higher power in their life, or they have, you know, money or a family or someone like that, because it's more risk there because they have like so much stuff, like they have so much stuff to lose in life. And it's almost like when God asked Mary, it's almost like she was like, well, I've got nothing to lose. So it's like, that's how I would think about it. So I'd almost think it'd be more difficult or it would make more sense to ask someone lower rather than someone higher. But also at the same time, you think of like hierarchy and like uh, social class, like maybe she's lower, but also you have to think of the skills that she has, like the courage that she has as you read further and you go through it. Maybe it doesn't matter. Like, obviously it doesn't matter. Like, social class like your heart where your heart is and whatnot but like i almost feel like it was that she was chosen for a reason because like it wasn't i mean i don't like to think of it like there was other options but like if there were would it have been different you know what i mean like those are just like really open-ended thoughts that i have based on this but i think that it's really interesting that in in throughout the entire bible really god always chooses like the lowest of the low really like even like social class but that not always that doesn't always mean that you know their heart or their mind is like low lower if that makes if that makes any sense so yeah that was just uh, what i had to add no i think i think i think this is all all great um and i love that it's 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 falling under this um I just think it's interesting that we got these two scriptures like out of order in our normal like um, in our normal structure <laughs> because they do play off each other really well. Um, okay, but we are going to leave it there for now. Um, Elliot, do you want to close us in prayer as we wrap up the episode? Of course, dear Lord, uh, thank you for letting us have this discussion today. Help um, us to look back on these. Uh, verses and passages and help us to learn something and take something away from it help anyone listening to take something away from it and hopefully we can look at things in different light uh amen awesome guys thank you so much for being a part of another episode of studio wesley annex uh until next time y'all have a good advent continuation bye <laughs> <laughs>